Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and you're listening to Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, Northampton. And today we have a great guest for you. Uh, we are chatting with Morgan Kent today. From He's the, the head instructor over at Spirit of the Heart, in, um, which is a martial arts studio right, right here in Northampton. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Morgan. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so let's, uh, let's dive in. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, Spirit of the Heart. Yeah, so Spirit of the Heart, we've been in the Valley for 26 years. It's our, we're going into our 26th year. We, uh, have, we teach an Indonesian martial art in the Silat family. Uh, we teach it to kids, adults, um, all ages, all ability levels. And we just recently moved after about almost 26 years from Northampton to East Hampton. Whoa. When did that move happen? It just happened in August, actually, or uh, maybe September, August or September. It just happened. It's very, very fresh. So that you guys were over on Market Street before, correct? Yep, right next to Joe's Pizza on the corner there. And where are you located in East Hampton now? We just moved to 186 Northampton Street, so it's right across from the post office. Oh. Is the studio bigger, more parking? It's much bigger. It has parking. The old one didn't have parking. You just had to park on the street, which I'm, you know, the neighbors probably weren't the biggest fans of. Uh, but we have a nice big parking space now. Yeah, lots of room for people to come in. Um, how did, what prompted that move? Um, the... We've been thinking about moving for a long time, honestly. You know, there was a lot of uh, things that we didn't like about the old space. And we and we felt like we were outgrowing it. We felt like we were starting to have more students. And we, we felt like our energy was going into a better place. Um, and the we just ran into some financial issues with the landlord. And it was the right time to go. It really, you know, it, it felt like it was a push in the right direction, really. Yeah, that's very cool. So... So at Spirit of the Heart, um, you guys teach the the Indonesian Silat, um, and you I saw on your website you kind of refer to that shorthand as the Indonesian Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that's what makes that style unique and what that kind of looks like? Yeah, so that's the the name thing is like a common thing that people get a little mixed up on. So the word Kung Fu is a lot of people these days with the internet being so readily available recognize that's a Chinese word. We say we teach an Indonesian martial art. So. What we teach is a martial art in the Silat family of martial arts, which means it's a striking art from Indonesia. Um, we call we used to call it Indonesian Kung Fu. That's what my teacher's teacher called it. And she kept that name going because most people don't know what Silat is. Everyone knows what Kung Fu is. They've all seen movies. Uh, and it's it's similar enough that I think it, it gets the point across. So we, we keep that name for the kids program. We still call it Kids Kung Fu. Um, and then we call it C-Lot for adults. But really, it's the same thing in both classes. It's just a different name to get attention different ways. Um, I would say what makes the martial art unique is that it, it still has a lot of the traditional martial art values and training practices. We do a lot of forms. We do uh, choreographed self-defense routines. Um, but I think what makes what we do a little more unique from other schools is we 
focus a little more on the fitness aspect than some other places do. Um, and we try to keep things really pragmatic and, and uh, dynamic. Very cool. In what ways do you feel like you um, uh, emphasize the fitness aspect? Yes. Yeah, so most every class starts with a, a, a relatively long warm-up. We do a lot of footwork, running, jumping jacks, a lot of cardiovascular exercises, push-ups, sit-ups. Um, we try to make it kind of fun. You know, we turn a lot of these into games, both for kids and grown-ups, so that they don't think about how they're like working out and they're sweating and they're exhausted. They'll like keep training. They're not just running in circles around Exactly. The and then we try to also in as creative ways as we can make our actual training of, you know, blocking strikes, throwing strikes, whatever, uh, be part of the fitness part also, right? And make people feel really strong and healthy, um, you know, because most people aren't going to become this incredible super pro fighter, right? Most people are doing this to feel good and feel stronger and to become a better person. So that's what we try to aim for. Hmm. That's pretty lofty goals. You know, I mean, not lofty goals, I would say, but um, it's it's interesting to think of uh, martial arts as as having that uh, self-improvement mm-hmm. aspect to it. Um, I think that's maybe it's just a little bit more out of my framework. Like sure. I tend to be a little like, oh, gentler, you know, mm. so I tend to, you know, want to go into a meditation or mm. into a yoga class. So um, it's really interesting to think about martial, how martial arts can fit into that same paradigm. Yeah, I think especially these days it's it's easy to see it as just a sport and and a lot of people do interpret it that way there's plenty of schools out there which um train a lot for competition we just have never really been that school you know we've what my teachers always instilled in me is that we're we're training to become better people right the martial mm. the practice of the martial art is there to get you stronger and learn how to defend yourself and uh stand up for yourself and other people but ultimately long term training is about working on yourself and noticing ways in your training and maybe beyond that in your personal life that you can be a better person and you can give more and you can open up more. Uh, I think martial arts is just for me and what I try to tell my students is a path to that point. How does, how does the Indonesian Silat encourage a uh, Silat? That's Thank okay. you for that correction. Nobody, no one in America knows that word. It's fine. <laughs> it is a new word for me. Yeah. I have to say it is. A, and it's spelled S I L A T. Yes. Yes. So how does how does the Indonesian um, silat uh, did I just say it right? You did, no, okay. but it's whatever. We'll okay, just go with it. Sea lot, like C-lot. I see, okay. I see you, I see a lot. I see a lot. There you go. I see a lot. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, so how how does the the kind of uh, the values work for becoming a better person within that martial art? So what we or within well, the school? Sure. So within the school, one key way that we try to do that is that in a lot of schools you wait a long time before you start teaching and helping other people we at at the first color belt you get there's a whole bunch of belts like any martial art i think this is common knowledge for most people after you have your white belt you get what's called your white sash and then from that point on you have teaching requirements right you have to come and assist and help in classes or Mm -hmm. teach classes um and by doing that you you learn that it's not just about you you know it's easy in martial arts to be like this this is a practice that's all about me all i'm working on is myself i'm just Everything's about me. Uh, so by doing it with teaching as a requirement, everyone has a chance to connect with other people and notice what kind of an impact they can have on them and notice what how training for them improves their lives. It lets you be self-reflective for yourself. It To me, I think it's really valuable since it removes a lot of the ego that can come in martial arts very easily. So how, how did you get involved in this whole world. Have you been with the school since the very beginning? Not quite. At this point, I've, I've been there longer than anybody else, but I wasn't there for the first four years, we'll say, of that. Uh, when I was a kid, 
Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles was on TV, so oh, I yeah. jumped, you know, right at, at the chance to do martial arts as soon as I could. Uh, but it didn't really grab me. You know, I went to um, a bunch of schools. They're all in the area, so, I'm, you know, I'm not going to name those. But I went to some schools, and it just didn't – It they were fine, but it wasn't for me. You know, what they did was really valuable, and what they do is great. It just – for me, it didn't resonate. Uh, and there was a long period of time where I gave up on martial arts, actually. I did it for when I was five, seven, eight, and then for four or five years, I didn't touch it. Uh, and then what happened was when I wasn't thinking about it anymore, um, my teacher, Nancy Rothenberg, who's the director of Spirit of the Heart, she came into my elementary school and taught what was basically a physical education class because we didn't have one. And it just immediately grabbed me. It was the most you know, in a way that it, I always wanted it to grab me, but it never did. It just felt really uh, real to me, and it felt like the training was really – it resonated. Something about it felt like I belonged in it. Do you think it was the uh, – do you think it was uh, Nancy Rothenberg? Do you think it was the style? Do you think it was the sea lot itself? Do you think it was her value system? What do you think resonated? You know, I, talk, I, I can't pick one of those. I think it's really a, a bit of all three. I think really Nancy's way of – teaching it was really good for me right because it, it it wasn't so it was strict but it wasn't so strict that that it felt uh super regimented you know we weren't standing in lines and standing up straight and all this other stuff you know she, she treated everybody like a human being and not just a cog in a machine and but despite that really pushed people really hard like she really pushed us really hard to be the best that we could be and you know i'm Always going to be thankful for that. It really changed my life in a huge way. I don't know where it would be without that one class at my elementary school, like taking me in this direction. When um, So you took that one class, and mm -hmm. then how did you jump from that one class to being the head instructor? Well, that's a story. That's like my whole <laughs> life. I, don't, uh, I mean, I guess it was, it was that I started, I started at, the, at that class, and then eventually I decided I wanted to do more than just the, the class at school. So I signed up for regular classes and so you were little at that point. When I you was were little. I was like 10, classes. 11. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was training there in regular classes and I was doing I enjoyed it. I was definitely goofing off a lot. I was the class clown for sure. I was not well liked necessarily by the teachers, <laughs> you know, ironically. And here I am. But uh, I started with that. And then there was the day that I decided that I was going to stick with it for the rest of my life and I really focused in it in a very different way is we'd had, we always have a annual uh, training retreat in the summer for the grown up class, grown up and teen class. And it was the first time that we did sparring, which is where you wear the helmets and the gloves and all that. And um, I was matched up with an older woman and I as a 12, 13 year old boy was like, I'm gonna take her out, there's no problem here. <laughs> like I got, everything's on my side, we're good. And I couldn't hit her once, she mopped the floor with me, I just felt really silly. <laughs> yeah. And it just occurred to me that, oh, this really works if you put the time in. And I decided at that point, this is what I'm gonna do the rest of my life. And I got super into teaching probably six months after that, once I had the chance to come and help in classes. Most people come and help one, class a week and then they train I as soon as I could I was going four or five times a week I was staying five hours a day I was teaching three classes take my own class teach another class I just got super obsessed with it and never really looked back that's really neat yeah I feel like that must must create a really deep community within spirit of the heart as well having 
older instructors come mm-hmm. back and start teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just one day a week, like you said, mm-hmm. I feel like it really, you start meeting other people, you start interacting in a different way, and then you kind of start forming bonds with other students. I think so. Everybody really knows everyone there and everyone really seems to care about everyone there. You know, if someone's having a hard time, everyone really supports them and tries to make them get, get through it. Uh, and I think because we all teach each other we all feel like we're building everybody up. We even end every class by saying "gatong wajong," which is an Indonesian term for "we all learn from each other." So we we spend we every day will end by saying that, you know, regardless of any, whatever happens in the day, we always remind ourselves that we all help build each other up and we all help get to where we want to be. I love that. Yeah, that's a really beautiful practice. Um, so let me see where where we are here. Um, and how, so I know you kind of were talking about when you were, you know, taking classes early on, um, how, how has this work personally shaped you and influenced you? Because you were like, I'm a class clown, and then you started oh, taking sure. it super seriously. But what is, what is um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's a really broad question, but. Yeah, so I guess if we go way back, when I was much younger, I, I, I don't know quite what it was because I was very young, but I remember that when I was in school, I had to go to maybe it was an occupational therapist or a physical therapist, someone for children, uh, because I had um, very little upper body strength, poor coordination. I wasn't good at sports. I really, you know, wasn't playing physically the same way that other kids were. And I sort of created that narrative for myself in my life that I'm just not that person mm-hmm. at all. Um, so when Nancy came and taught the class, it felt to me like here's a way that I can change that, right? And and really, I was I was supposed to be the person who's super active and super physical and and very coordinated, but I didn't. It was just nothing that was there before grabbed me like that. Um, yeah. So it it I forget the question. I sort of went off on a tangent. Well, <laughs> yeah. How how has this sort of influenced oh, you? Sure. So. It's hard to say where I'd be without it, right? Because I would probably still be living the narrative that I'm not a physical person, right? And I don't, I'm not a person who works out. I'm not a person who trains other people. Uh, it just changed me in completely. I would be a totally different person. It's hard to even fathom what that person would be. Because you just, you've grown up with this. Yeah, it's the mar- martial arts and training and, and the way that Nancy teaches it and the way that I try to teach it and hopefully pass on the same way. Is just such a part of me that I don't know. I can't even imagine what it would be without it. It's just who I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that, those movements and that those principles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's the movements. It's the principles. It's 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 the community. It's the way you build community. It's you know, so many of my friends are people who are like, you want to hit me in the head today? Yeah, sure. I'll hit you in the head back. And it's just <laughs> it's we hang out. It's just how we do things. You know. It's and, it, and I know that seems weird. You know, I always tell people that, and they think it's completely bizarre. But these are just the people that I hang out with and I trust and. You know, we all help each other and build each other up. Yeah, I wouldn't trust anybody to hit you in the head. And I understand that. That's a reasonable response. <laughs> it's a completely reasonable thing. You could live a happy life and never have that happen. But you're you're geared up, though. You have a helmet. You're and geared gloves. up, and and the way that we train, and the way that I think anyone who's smart about it trains, is that you always do light contact. If you're doing hard contact, someone's just going to get hurt. You're not really going to try things. You won't really experiment and actually learn how to get better. You're just going to like both be like really tense and afraid of each other. It's the wrong way to train. So when we train anything live, it's always light contact and, and you know, it's intense, but it's playful in a way. You know, we're like, you're pushing the person, but you're also taking care of the person. Yeah, I like that concept. Yeah. You're pushing, but taking care. It's a hard thing for people to get sometimes, but it's the way to do it. 
I think. I mean, it's safe. You don't want to. You never want your training partner to go home hurt. You don't want to go home hurt. And truthfully, you want to make your training partner as best as they possibly can be, so they can make you be the best you possibly can be. Right? If they're feeling afraid of you and they're not trying stuff and they're not pushing you, you're not going to improve. You need them as much as they need you. I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. So if you're just tuning in, we're uh, chatting today with Morgan Kent, who's the head instructor over at Spirit of the Heart in East Hampton, recently moved over to East Hampton. Um, So we're going to take a short break, and we are going to listen to Samfa, Cora Sings. So we've got a lot more show coming up, so please stay tuned. Oops. Let me see if this actually is going to go through. Uh, maybe we'll just talk for a whole, for another second while this, while this continues. Um, so let me see here. Uh, so we're not going to take a break, but, um, so when, when you guys, can you walk us through what a day in the life of a martial arts instructor kind of looks like? Are you teaching classes all day and kind of having a very, um, yeah, tell me what your, what your day as a martial arts uh, instructor looks like. Yeah, so for, for me, and, and this goes for Nancy, I think, for the most part, too, uh, the beginning part of our day, we, we try to do a lot of our, our work as far as outreach goes. So we might do some uh, social media stuff. Uh, we might arrange meetings with people we might have meetings with people we try we're trying to be really active in the community now that we just moved to east hampton so i know that uh for nancy's doing a lot of social outreach you know meeting other people and other business owners and doing all that uh besides that i try to find time to train myself every day before i teach so i i go to the gym i lift weights i run um i have uh friends in the area who i do also martial artists who i try to find time to train with whenever i can uh, I just try to keep the machine moving, you yeah, know, the machine being your body, the machine, or the being, machine my body, being your business, yeah, the, the machine being my body and, and the machine being the business, you know, the, the social media stuff's obviously the, the business part, um, the marketing stuff. Uh, and I try to keep the machine that is my body move, keep moving also. Yeah. I think that's pretty important. You know, I mean, there's so many people that, um, so I, part of my job as a Reiki practitioner is, um, I'm up at Bay State Franklin Mm -hmm. in Greenfield and, you know, sometimes I talk to people and they're just not active at Mm -hmm. all, at all. Yeah. And there's a lot of people I think, and, and this is true in, in any physical practice, I think, who, once they become a teacher, they just teach and they, and they're not moving their body. They're not still in the practice. Uh, and I'm trying really hard as often as I can to, keep the practice up and not become complacent in the fact that I teach and it's my job you know it's it's also my passion so I try to keep moving and keep it going as much as I can Absolutely. And so we were just chatting about uh, kind of like the history of of C-Lot and um, I how how did C-Lot come to the United States? Yeah so because it's not, it's not one of the dominant, like you said, it's not like the Kung Fu in the movies. Right, like, it's not karate, it's not Taekwondo, it's right. It's it. So, Silat's actually really big in Europe because Indonesia was a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I may screw this up, was a Dutch colony. Uh, so, a lot of that part of Europe has Silat styles in it because there's a lot of Indonesian immigration. There, There isn't so much Indonesian immigration to America. There just hasn't always been that path in the same way. So, schools are few and far between. This style of C-Lot in particular, I think there's maybe 10, 12 schools on the planet that teach it. It's very, very rare. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much to say really there. They just, it, people just came over. Some yeah. people taught it, some didn't, you know. Yeah. How did, you, how did your uh, instructor, your first teachers, how did, how did they find that influence? So my instructor, Nancy Rothenberg, she, 
took it uh, when she was in Oregon shortly after being in college. Um, and she just found she just found a class. She was looking for a martial art class, and she just happened to stumble across this one. Um, and she trained it. She got super obsessed with it, like me. And she ended up uh, training it more and more, and that training brought her over to the East Coast where the head of the art was, and she just kept it going. Very cool. Yeah. And um, and you, were, you also mentioned that you guys, uh, in class, that you guys play music during yeah. your classes. Yeah, so a lot of Indonesian styles were are practiced with music from, you know, from the history books that I've read, uh, they would often hide what they're doing as dance from time to time. Um, you know, a lot of silat is done to gamelan music in Indonesia for some weddings. They, they do silat demonstrations as a way to honor the weddings. Um, so we, to keep that practice going, we always play music in class and we also, it also makes the class more fun. Obviously, uh, we don't play that much traditionally Indonesian music. We play a lot of Michael Jackson cause it gets you moving sure. and Michael's great, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he, so, uh, yeah, we, it, it just, it keeps things moving. It keeps the energy up. Uh, I, I love to, I would never do it without music. It's just the way that it's done for me. It's, it's, yeah, it's good. I, and when you when you reference that it was done uh, in Indonesia as as hiding, what was that? Why were they hiding? So from you know from what I've read, the 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 narrative is that when colonial powers came Indonesia, into Indonesia uh, to learn to defend themselves, they would have to practice, and if they practice in front of the military of the uh, of the country that was of the Dutch colonized, yeah, yeah, they would um, you know they get arrested obviously so they would often practice it as as like dancing or as as like a yeah like a village would come together they'd all dance together they'd and then in that movement they would actually be practicing their strikes they'd be practicing moving around the person uh creating entries for strikes you know but just kept it a little hidden yeah well that's super smart i mean i feel like that's how you know if you have people all around you who are occupying your mm-hmm. country then yeah figure right, out the only way, way to really do yourself. it Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really that's a really interesting piece of the puzzle. Yeah, a lot of styles are like that. Uh Capoeira, which is the uh Afro Brazilian martial art, uh does that as well. It's it's always done with drumming, it's always done with music. Um there's a few others that are like that, that music is like a part of the practice. Mm. Do you find that um do you find that that shifts the dynamic into a more playful uh, type? You, do you feel like that shifts it into a more of a, a playful kind of uh, joyous atmosphere? I when think so. I think so. And I think it's important that it does because I think, you know, martial arts is about self-betterment and protecting yourself. But it's also, you know, it is at the end of the day is about fighting also. And that can get really dark. So I think keeping it kind of fun um, keeps the energy in the right place, right? It keeps people knowing like what we're really here for. Is there, um, when you're, when the, you're doing the C-Lot is, um, is it all hands and feet? Is it just hands? Is it with additional uh, like weapons or yeah, what, is, so, what does it look, what does the style of C-Lot look like? Hmm, okay, so this is kind of a big question. So I know, and it's also like, can you describe the movements that you're doing yeah, on, on radio? radio? Well, let's find out. <laughs> so, uh, the style of C-Lot that we do is a four animal system, which means that a lot of our, all of our movements are created by mimicking the movements of a monkey, tiger, snake, and a crane. Monkey, tiger, snake, and crane. Yes. If you've seen Kung Fu Panda, you just cut out two guys and you're good. <laughs> uh, so 
the way that we do it is a lot of range of movement training. So the idea is that if you're moving in crane, for example, you're throwing a lot of high kicks, you're, you're maybe jumping around a little more, you're lighter on your feet. A lot of your hand strikes are uh, done from very long range. You're a little more observant of what's happening around you. Crane being the only animal that flies, it's like above everything. So we extrapolate from that that you wait a little more. You're patient. You see what's going on. Uh, you know, monkey is about moving at medium height. So, you know, if you're in a fight, you may get knocked down. Yes, it's, you're not always going to be standing. So having range of movement to be able to scramble back up, you know, walking your hands and your feet is really valuable. Uh, snake is about, it's light little fast strikes. It's like you just nip at the person, right? And it's a little tighter in. There's a lot of elbows and kicks to the legs. And tiger is all about being on the ground, pinning, uh, very heavy strikes. And all of these movements are, are practiced at first, you mimic the teacher. You like you, you copy what they do, and over time, what you want to try to do is learn how to blend these things together in the way that works for your body, right? Everyone should reinterpret the art that we teach in their own way. You know, we like to see that people's movement is a little different, honestly, because uh, everyone's a different person and they have to move differently. And the animal movements are just there to help us understand that there are more aspects of moving right you don't always have to walk heavy if you and really when you're moving with someone we try to shift from one to the other so that we're always unpredictable right maybe we start around and we're light on our feet when moving and crane maybe then later on we get really heavy and tiger and then that changes up the dynamic um so we do hand strikes we do like strikes we do throws we do pins we do uh a little bit of knife work we have uh forms with weapons forms are choreographed series of strikes and, and movement um, as a way to keep the practice going. Uh, a friend of mine who knows another martial arts school likes to call forms uh, the textbooks of the martial art. It's mm. what people pass down generation to generation. And if you study the forms right, the idea is you should understand how the martial art works. Um, and yeah, we don't do a lot of... So with the forms, we'll do like just a demonstration kind of piece that teaches us movement. We don't really learn how to fight with stabs and swords and things like that. We do it more as a as a as a as a practice, you know, cuz you're not going to walk down the street with a sword and have to defend yourself. No. And if you do, you're probably living the wrong life. I think you made a terrible mistake. Yeah, or you're living in a totally different place. <laughs> yeah, you're living right. Yeah, so we will learn up all of our uh live training is done just hands and feet, a little bit of knife stuff occasionally, but yeah. The other stuff is just for show and yeah. for practice. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Do you are is there one of the animals within the form uh, of Silat that you are particularly resonating with at the moment? Yeah. So this does change over time. I believe actually, it, yeah. yeah, because it, it can change also based on the day, like how you want to move, what energy is kind of coming through you. I used to be a snake person. I used to be very like into spiraling and wrapping and all these fast little strikes. But you know, the last few years have been more like of a tiger person. I want to be low to the ground. I want to be heavy. I want to you know, be a little more imposing there. Yeah. But it changes, you know, and everybody has different favorites. Everyone moves in different ways and, you know, different aspects of the art resonate more with them. Do you, so when you're really deeply resonating with say the tiger right now, mm -hmm. do you find that that spills over into different parts of your life and how you interact with people? I think so. I think so. So what could we say for that? Let's see. Hmm. Big question. I would say that Tiger, an aspect about Tiger that we think about as a mental piece is that uh, in, it, when you're moving in Tiger, the idea is you're always moving forward, right? Even if you're circling at, some, at somebody, an opponent, you're, you're 
The goal is forward and bring them to the ground. But tigers sleep a lot too. Tigers They're part of cat, the cat family. They do sleep a lot. So the idea, so you, when you're moving forward, you're moving forward. When you're not, you're waiting, right? And you're relaxed and you're ready to pounce, but you're not, you know. So in in life, I tr- I I've been trying to go for things a little bit more. I'm usually a little more of a reserved person, so I'd like to think that that tiger energy can come more into my life in terms of. I know what I need to do. I need to jump at this. I know what task needs to get done to finish A, B, and C. We just got to go. So I'm trying to be better about that. I'm trying to take those lessons to heart and bring them into the rest of my life. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you find that um, – What I mean, do the, the principles of, of C-Lot – resonate through each animal as well like do you or do you find that the the principles of becoming a better person are the kind of overarching form and the overarching uh style and part of the school is that question you're kind of giving me a funny yeah look, like, like, i just maybe like, <laughs> <in> a different way <laughs> yeah. um let me rephrase that question a little bit i guess what i'm trying to understand is um how how within the style of fighting mm-hmm. How do the principles of self-improvement um, and kind of beco- becoming a better person, uh, what it, what does that look like? Oh, as, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay, okay. as you're fighting. Because I, I know you talked about how when you're when you're sparring with somebody that you want to make them a better person and yeah. you want to push them a little bit, yeah. but you're also taking care of them. Yes. So I guess I'm, I'm just curious more about um, how, what other kind of principles that you're pr- bringing in? Because this is the name of your studio is called spirit of the heart yes and so like where where's the heart come into all of this yeah so how does the heart fight hmm well let's see so let's go into the first one of the parts of that question which is how how does the fighting part kind of make you a better person Mm -hmm. so i think for me sparring was always a way to really notice how i could improve right it's if you're just practicing the the solitary practice doing forms uh working on your stances whatever it's easy to just be like oh i'm good at this i have this when you're sparring and someone has the better of you you know you suck at that thing right so you know you have to look at that and fix it and i think going through that process of noticing what i'm not the best at and what i could improve at and being critical of that in a way where you're also recognizing that you're a human being and you can make mistakes and you can work on and, and improve yourself. I think that that to me really resonated, right? That was a way for me to get used to the practice of noticing these are things that I need to improve upon. Here's the things that that I know in my physical practice, I'm not able to stop this kick from this person in the same way. Okay, well, it's either I give up or I look at how I can make that better, right? And once you, I think once you get used to, for me anyway, once I got used to that process, it was easier to notice, well, here's ways that I'm not as kind in my relationships. Here's ways that I'm not going for things that I want in the same way. And I'm now used to oh, noticing these are things that I lack. Here's ways that I can improve, right? Trying to find that process is really there. Um, and then, oh, where's the heart in it? I think everything's about heart. I think, you know, we... When we're moving in our forms and in our animal movements, our, our Nancy, who's the other head instructor and owns the, the place, I've mentioned that a few times, but I'm going to keep saying it, I guess, uh, always reminds us that that she wants to see more of us than not just the physical part, right? The physical part is is there, but there is like more to you than just your body, right? There's, there's the way that you your eyes are in it, your breath is in it, all that stuff kind of comes together. And I think all that stuff is there in you and it's also there when you're helping other people and you're building people up i think it's all connected that's a really broad answer i don't know if that made any sense we're going with it yeah (laughs) i'm sticking with it (laughs) no i think that 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 does make sense i mean it's it's interesting because it is 
in a lot of ways, it does seem very contradictory. But, you know, as I was looking through the website of the Spirit of the Heart, um, you know, it's it's like you can just tell that it's the the heart energy is emanating mm-hmm. from what you guys are doing, from the community aspect, from, you know, all aspects. But it's like, oh, but it's it's fighting. But it's it's not right. It's 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 like a it's a strong interaction between two people. Yeah, and that's that could be a struggle for some people who just want one half of that, right? In that we want to have people have both, you know. But I think that's the way to make a compassionate person. I, you know, I as you know, my mom always used to kind of get on me about like the idea that that martial arts is really violent. But to me, I have a, a little bit of a negative view in that I think people are naturally violent animals, and I think martial arts is a way to understand your power and what you're capable of doing and as a result you can take a look back and say i don't want to be this in the you know i don't want this to come out in this point i want it to come out when i need it not when i'm upset right right it's just understanding your power yes yeah yeah so i know you guys teach adults Mm -hmm. and then you guys have kids there you teach kids what is it like teaching kids uh martial arts yeah so kid kids are that's our biggest classes are always kids class we have a lot of kids i think that's our our bread and butter program what's the age range we we have a class for toddlers actually on sunday mornings that must be cute yeah we where it's uh they're like ages two to four and in that class they're not really doing the martial art per se but they're learning footwork they're learning how to pay attention to the class we do some meditation stretching stuff with them the parents are interactive in the class you know so parents like play tag with their kid, gets their kid moving around. We have the parents hold pads and the kids practice like knocking them over. And uh, we do a lot of verbal self-defense with the kids, which I haven't mentioned at all actually yet. Uh, But we can get into that for kids. So one of the big practices we do that a lot of schools maybe don't is we practice physical self-defense and non-physical self-defense. So rather than just learning how to deal with the final step of the problem, which is someone's grabbed you, we often try to think about self-defense as Things that are not just physical, like if you're going out someplace and it feels dangerous, maybe go with a friend. Maybe know what your exits are when you get there. Maybe try to, if you feel dangerous about somebody, look them in the eye and communicate clearly. Learn prop good at de-escalation strategies, communication strategies. That like I am a tiger. Yeah, a little bit, right? Learning how to say like, no, you can't grab me. No, you can't come near me. So we try to do a lot of that, and we we do that with kids a lot through anti-bullying stuff. We do a lot of practice with kids about things like. If someone grabs your shirt, being able to clearly say, don't grab my shirt, instead of saying, please stop, I don't like that. Uh, and we'll do a lot of that. We'll do a lot of physical self-defense. We try to make it really fun. Uh, I love teaching kids. I think, you know, there's 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 benefits to teaching all ages. I think adult classes are really fun because you can really get deep into what you're teaching. You know, everyone's there to really listen and learn. But but kids, you know, they, they're always moving and learning how to keep up with them and like keep things moving them and keep things fun has is, is really helped me, I think, make my adult classes better, honestly. So, yeah, I love teaching kids. I think we I've learned a lot from teaching everybody, but kids in particular, I feel like I've learned a lot teaching them. You know, they're, they're so open, too, to learning. You know, they're so excited about everything you have to show them. It's great. So you you do the the two to four and then do kids oh sure kids go up to what like twelve or does that kind of go into the team yeah it's a little um, nebulous at that point so kids four and up is in our regular kids classes and you know depending on their level and maturity we will bump them up to the teen adult class you know it's it's a little bit of a range for each person everybody's different when they're ready they're ready and uh, at that point they start training with the big guys. 
and yeah. girls. Yeah, like you said, that that woman who who mopped you on the oh floor. Oh my god, when you were she's a really good friend of mine. She doesn't train <laughs> anymore. I see her all the time. Um, I don't know if she knows that I, that I like hold that in my heart. It's like the moment I decided to keep training. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll tell her at some point. You but should. I should. I know. Yeah. I see her around relatively often. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so what other, so you, you teach kids a lot of the, the, uh, non-physical self-defense as well as the like physical. Yeah. We teach adults that too. And we even have, uh, a just self-defense program that my teacher runs. It's the strong program. Um, and that's just classes focused on the self-defense side and not the martial arts side, right? Like the stuff that it's good to learn quick and right away. Uh, so you can keep yourself safe and just, you know, a lot of it is, is strategies, right? If you really want to work on. You know, learning how to be a really good striker, that's like the long-term martial arts, right? The the, the just self-defense classes, you know, learning good strategies that keep you safe. Yeah. Um, where was the rest of the question? I lost it. Ah. Um, well, I remember when I was uh, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. we, part of our physical education class, we learned uh, self-defense for young women. That's great. I think every school should have self-defense classes for everybody because it... it it, not only for young women to keep themselves safe, but I think it's also valuable for men to be a part of it and hear these are the things that, that people who maybe don't look as strong or seem as strong are assaulted with and noticing that and being able to, by recognizing that, maybe you could notice that your friend is doing something that isn't okay and learn how to stop that and notice these things. Yeah. I think every school in America should be learning some kind of self-defense. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, it kind of, it goes really hand in hand with the mindfulness mm-hmm. and the meditation mm-hmm. that is part of that martial arts. It's like, you have to be aware of your physical strength, but also being aware of like mentally where you're at and yeah. kind of being aware and being present in your surroundings. Right. And, and, and by being aware of your surroundings and also being aware that that it's okay to say no to things. I think a lot of people in this country, women in particular, are taught that it's not okay to say no, right? Children also are a lot of times taught not to say no, but there are really appropriate times and necessary times to say no and to stand up for yourself. And, you know, I love letting people know that, you know, it's, it's, it seems like common sense when you hear it, but it also resonates in a way where you're, you realize like, oh, I'm really not, I don't maybe stand up for myself as much as I really could and should. So... I think it's really important that and really interesting that we have that as part of our self-defense program. I remember as a even as a kid when we first started doing verbal self-defense it like hit me like oh this makes sense. I wouldn't just like kick somebody first thing, right? <laughs> like what I'm a monster if I do that. That's crazy. <laughs> and really if you're at the point where you're like having to hit somebody, you've already kind of messed up on plans A and B, right? right? Like plans A and B was everything before that happened. That's real self-defense really is avoiding the problem. Right, because once you're in the problem, you're in the problem. No one wants to be in the problem. Right, but most self defense is taught when you're already in the worst place, right? And and so I think it's really valuable and and great that in our strong program we talk so much about before that point, and we do that point also. But we really try to make sure that it's you know you understand the bigger picture with it. Yeah. yeah. So I know another aspect of the studio, in addition to teaching kids and adults and teens, is the uh, is the open sparring yeah. that you do. Can you tell us a little bit about how that got started and what, what that's all about? Yeah, so open sparring is an event that I run. Uh, I've been doing it for about f- five years, maybe six years. We actually have an event this Sunday in Springfield. Um, and open sparring was, to me, created as an anti-tournament, right? So we're not a, a, a competition school. We don't really do tournaments that often. If a student of mine wanted to do a tournament, I know the routine. I've won trophies. I can get him ready for it. I used to compete when I was younger. 
uh, when I was in high school because I felt like it was what you were supposed to do. It felt like everyone I knew who was in sports was competing. So I would go and, and all these tournaments cost a lot of money and yep. I never felt for myself personally that I was learning anything from them. A lot of people were and it really holds a lot of value for them. I, I didn't feel like I learned anything getting out there and, and you know, getting the little numbers or doing the point sparring or anything. So you didn't feel like there was any like learning feedback for you or what was, what was the disconnect in that? Well, when we, one aspect of doing tournaments is forms, which when you get out there and you do your, your series of movements and strikes, you choreographed, you know, basically physical textbook, uh, and they grade you like a gymnastics competition, 8.5, 9 point, whatever. And you know, if someone doesn't know the martial art that you're doing, they don't really know how to grade it, right? right? So to me, there was always like, even when I was younger and competing, I, I thought like, this is kind of weird. You know, and I won plenty of trophies. I got all these first place trophies that I just threw out because they meant nothing to me. I threw them all in the garbage when I moved, you know? Uh, I kind of recondoed it. I picked it up and I was like, this is no joy. We're just getting rid of that immediately. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and... And then in the, the sparring part, what we would do is this thing called point sparring where you stand, each person stands on opposite ends and then the first person to touch the other guy gets a point and then they break the fight up and then they're like, okay, reset. Which to me was, it teaches you a really good skill in terms of like getting that first shot in, but it never felt like I was really training for a fight with that, you know, and it wasn't the way that we train at Spirit of the Heart. We, we you know, have like a two minute round and you just go, you know, they don't stop unless someone's going to get hurt. Um so it just didn't. It never really resonated with me. I didn't feel like I was learning anything from the forms practice, except how to stand up in front of a crowd and perform, which I felt like was more valuable and and didn't cost anything. We would have a demo to uh, publicize that Spirit of the Heart existed, and for the sparring part, I felt like I I enjoyed the idea of training with someone else from another style who did a completely different thing, but I didn't like that it was in these short little bursts and you didn't get to know the person. So. Five years ago, I, me and my teacher, we came together and we were trying to find a way for me to train with other pe more advanced people because ultimately I had been training long enough that everyone at the school were my were students of mine and they were all doing things that I told them to do so I knew how to deal with it. You know, it was I was being challenged but I wasn't being challenged in the way that I wanted. So I, I we went around to other martial arts schools in the area and we asked them if they would be comfortable to come to our free event it's two hours, you, you you gear up, you talk to the other person about what you're comfortable with and you just train with each other, right? So I visit, and we've, when I first started this, I was going door to door and I was visiting every school that I could in the area. I would Google search every martial arts school around in Holyoke, Springfield, uh, all the way up to Franklin County, Deerfield, Greenfield. Um, and I just invited them to come. And it's been a really great event. We do it every two months and everyone comes together and we just train together. It's not a competition. We're not get, no one gets trophies. No one's tr there to show that they're the best. Everyone's there to improve and meet other people from other schools who, you know, you don't know yet, but they like the same thing you do. You just haven't talked yeah. about it. And uh, yeah, it's all just about people self-improving. And I designed it so that it travels from school to school. So every two months when a new event happens, it's at someone else's place because it seemed to me that if it was only at Spirit of the Heart, and only me running it would feel like I'm king of the castle. And I didn't right. want it to be that way. I wanted it to be that all of these different schools could feel like they have a more or less equal hand in it. And they have ownership of it. And it becomes a, a way for all of 
the schools in the area to get together and and feel more like we're connected rather than just we're competing on business, which is such like a superficial thing to look at. Right. Absolutely. And where did you say the next um, open sparring is going to be helped? Oh, it's a new school. Okay. Uh, so a friend of mine, uh, Pete Cruz out of Springfield, he just opened a new school. I really hope I don't butcher the name, but I refuse to look at my phone to check. I okay. think it's Iron Body MMA in Springfield. He just opened it up like a month ago. Oh, wow. So there's a ton of different martial arts coming in. There's MMA. Yeah, there's we have MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, Silat, a uh, bunch of karate schools, Taekwondo, Muay Thai. Uh, there's been Capoeira people who've shown up, um, Shaolin Kung Fu, uh, anybody. I'll take any anyone who's cool with the idea that you're not trying to knock the people out and you're just training. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you, you if you treat the people in the class and uh, open sparring the way you treat your training partners in your class and you're kind to of them, like anyone, yeah. Yeah, anyone could show up and we'll all train together. I don't turn people down from a style that they do. They're welcome to come and try their stuff. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's 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 cool because you always run into someone who pulls out a technique you haven't seen before or throws it out in a different way. And it's really fun for me as a tremendous martial art nerd to, to go back home and think, oh, how did that? How did you make that happen? How do I like reverse engineer that? I'll spend days like trying to figure it out and then I'll come back and be like, okay, I got it this time. We're good. And then move on to the next guy and he's got something new and it's, it's always really exciting. It's like, you know, you're never perfect at it. There's always someone who's better than you at something with it. And you know, it's the ability to go back and workshop it and improve that really is special to me. Yeah. Have you practiced other types of martial arts or is C-Lot your number one go-to? I mean, I, when I was a kid, I did karate for a little while. I did Taekwondo for a little while. I did Aikido for a little while. Um, I've gone and done like these martial art, uh, convention workshop seminar things. We do like an hour or so with a different teacher and you know, so I, I've dabbled, but this is the one that I'm really, really into. Um, I did recently in the last two years or year and a half, I started taking a Brazilian jujitsu class around here, um, just to try something different. And, you know, in large part I had a, 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 foot pain problem, so I wasn't moving as uh, dynamically on my feet as I used to like. So to get that kind of competitive edge out, I found in martial art where you get to lie down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you That's can just perfect. Choke, yeah, you just choke people with your legs and you don't have to stand up. So it gave my t- uh, feet a chance to heal. Yep. And now that they're better, I'm back to kicking and punching again, which is great. That's Balance. Really fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, like in a, if you're in that kind of dynamic situation where mm-hmm. maybe you don't have access to use your feet, then yeah. there you go. Yeah, one of the um, – I didn't get to go because it was an all-women's convention. But my wife went to uh, the National Women's Martial Arts – federation's uh special training retreat once and she said the best workshop she ever took was one where they just were like okay what if your arms tied behind your back you don't have an arm or you're sitting in a chair let's say you're in a wheelchair and they just have this very open-ended you know what if you're hindered in this way yeah like, what do you do and she always thought that was super fascinating yeah what if you're holding a baby exactly yeah absolutely does it, so your wife practices martial arts as well she does yeah she's been training um gosh let's see she would have been 14 so it's been, yeah, it's been like 15, 16 years. It's been a long time. She's been training a long time. You know, off and on, you know, we had a kid recently and that oh, doesn't really help with your training practice as much. Yeah. Um, recently, it was four years ago. Man, time goes by really quick. Yeah. So yeah, she, she trains too. Yeah. So she, I think I needed to find someone 
to, to have a relationship with who, who did train because they wouldn't understand my obsession as much, you know, because I've gone through times where I'm getting ready for um, a big test for a new uh, promotion and I'll spend like six, nine months just training every hour of every day and I'm a miserable person to be around, you know? <laughs> so I need someone who like understands that as willing to be like, okay, fine, do your thing. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome because they value it just as much as you do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So um, tell us how, um, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're here chatting with Morgan Kent um, of the Spirit of the Heart uh, Martial Arts Center. So uh, tell people how um, how can they find you? How can they find out more information about what you do and your yeah. classes and all that good stuff? Sure. So uh, if, if you just want to know more about Spirit of the Heart, you can, of course, look at our website. It's spiritoftheheart.org. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. If you just look up Spirit of the Heart, I'm sure you'll find it. There's an Instagram page. Uh, and you have some nice videos on there too. We have, I saw. Nice, we have a couple nice videos. Yeah, we tried. We we have waves. Where we put a lot of videos up and then we like forget. But we're trying to be a little more conscious of it. Um, yeah, there's some good videos up there, particularly on the Facebook page. You can find a lot of videos of different demonstrations we've done. Um, and you can kind of get a feel for what this, the art looks like as far as a uh, performance aspect would go. Um, and, you know, if you also would just want to jump in and see the class in person, uh, the first class is always free to try. We welcome people to come in and, you know, come and say hi to us and, and talk about what your goals are and trying to make something happen. That sounds great. And so we're kind of coming to the top of the hour now, so we're finishing up, but do you have any little words of wisdom or anything that you want to just throw out into the universe that you feel like people should know? Yeah, so uh, because this show is uh, a show that that's trying to put out there that there's all these different wellness practices that people can go on, uh, I would say that what I see a lot happen is that people talk about a lot about, I want to get into this new wellness practice, but there's a delay in getting there. Uh, something stops you from going there. So I would say if you have any urge to start a practice in anything, you just got to take a step forward. You just, no matter how scary, just walk out the door and just do it because it's going to be a lot harder if you keep thinking about it. So yeah. you know, anyone who's listening and thinking about starting something, just start it. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's motion. That's for the forward motion of the tiger. That's right. I'm always that tiger. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on the show and Thanks sharing your me. whole world. And um, I think that's really, really interesting and um, kind of exciting to have the possibility of uh, checking out a martial arts studio without uh, having the competitive aspect of mm -hmm. that, um, because that that's definitely something that intimidates me. So it's really, really interesting to yeah. hear um, how you've really cultivated uh, so many so many cool things mm -hmm. uh, at your studio. Thanks. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so if, like I said, if anyone's interested in finding out a little bit more information about Spirit of the Heart, you can go to uh, www.spiritoftheheart.org, um, or you can go to the Facebook page and, mm -hmm. and find Morgan. So. Um, all right, so we're going to close out today. A great evening, everyone, and be well.